so back um, a few years ago in um, in one of my schools, um, I became a teacher leader. So I wasn't officially a leading teacher or didn't have any official title, but I suppose it was official enough. Yeah, we were in our 20s teacher leader, there was about six or seven of us um, across the school and uh, we were talking about implementing, like our main role was kind of implementing change across the school, implementing certain structures, um, um, the workshop model as we called it and also that we had to have best practice in our classroom, in our teaching um, and again help drive this new way and the learning. So there was, like I said before, seven of us but four of us um, for one year all got put in a specific grade level Um, and this happened because there was a group of students that had been quite difficult um, along the road so they put us in there to kind of build a rapport with them and I suppose have a bit of enthusiasm um, with these particular students. So having, um, so there was a team, a level, so we were in grade five and six, we were in grade six, there was four teachers in grade six and all four of us were leaders and in grade five um, there were three teachers who had no official title or anything leadership role in the school um, but they had. They were the ones that had actually all of the experience. The, the, I think one was in their 30s, one was in their 40s, and one was in their 50s, and so much experience. And two particular teachers had been there at school for a long, long time. So then, what had really difficult is we had our meetings, um, and our meetings were very, very interesting, I have to say. Um, we, as the leaders, we were trying to kind of, I suppose, not enforce, but we're trying to drive new learning, implement new things, have new discussions in our meetings, where these teachers we experience were wanting to have their input, wanting to have their views and opinions, and there was a lot of discussion, debates. They were getting their backs up. We were getting our backs up. And these meetings just felt long. Everyone felt wound up. And we'd kind of all walk away feeling a bit frustrated about how it works. So I think just being that new leader, um, now that I've, I suppose, got a bit more experience under my belt, I think I would have played things differently. But I feel like we didn't find a balance between us with our specific role that we had, but also um, – listening and listening about their experience and their views and opinions. Yeah, we said we never quite found that right balance across the whole year, which was a bit of a shame, I think. I've worked with you for a while now, Kate, yep. and I know when you say it like meetings were very interesting. Yes. That's quite coded. <laughs> that, that you mean probably they were fiery at the least yep. and 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 – spectacularly awful yes, at the worst. Yes, and I'm um, not one to probably then join into the fire. I probably more sat back, but there was nothing I could do to do anything. But I said but there were particularly sparks between a few people. Um, and, yeah, it made it really, really difficult. Um, yeah, it was – It was. they were really hard meetings. Um, I said just this, this, this enthusiasm and – uh, new leaders versus this experience and and they wanted their opinion and I said they'd done their way their certain things for 20 years so it was really hard for this balance to happen and I said I don't think we ever got it. It's also interesting to me that you said that at the school these appointed roles had been given the name teacher yes. leader. Yes, yep, said. yep, teacher leader. Because, because in many ways that's a sort of, you know, formal 
title that's I don't know, like Frank Crowther's work delves deeply into this idea of teacher leaders, and usually it's a sort of non-appointed thing. Usually, it's it's a framework he uses to talk about teachers who can generate their own ideas. It's more of a sort of bottom-up leadership yep. model, more so than a um, appointed role with with a authority to implement um, sort of principle level decisions. It, it's, it seems like they they used a, a, a term um, for a different meaning than, than I thought would have been commonly understood. Yep. Yeah, and I think it was probably a bit of both of those things put together because, yeah, we were in leadership meetings, but again, we just had to drive that new learning and the... Uh, yes, and show off best practice. So yeah, it was it was a interesting role. And I said when you've had co coordinators leading teachers for years, and suddenly you've wiped all of those roles out and then thrown this idea of teacher leader out to everybody, and then you've put all these um, twenty year olds all in this role. Even that was a challenge, you know, for, for the rest of the staff to really understand what was actually going on and and what our roles actually were. Yeah, it sounds like it was a recipe for trouble. Yes, yes. Oh, definitely. It was a recipe for trouble. And eventually we, we did get there. But, you know, and, but yeah, I said they, it, w it was difficult to start with. And I said, and particularly then the way this happened, this 5 6 team just happened to be structured that four of us were in the one grade versus all the experience in the other grade. And it was only purely that that was based around different decisions with different students. So it was just a shame that both of those two different worlds clashed in the one year. Oh, do an intro yes. though. Thanks for joining us for the Teacher Learning Network podcast. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit professional development organisation supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce books, magazines and apps as well as running face-to-face -face and online professional development for our member schools. I'm Max Grarock and with me is Kate Chinner. And Kate, today we're talking about that very issue, the, the idea of being a new yep. leader. Um, at some point, if you're going to be a leader in education, you are a new leader. Yes. Uh, and a big question is, what do you wish you'd known before you took on your first leadership role? What, what do you wish you didn't have to learn the hard way? Um, and I think, Kate, what you've talked about there is you, you wish you'd been more aware of honouring other people's mm -hmm. wisdom. Oh, definitely. And, and I suppose even... You know, I was there recently, um, mm -hmm. well, you know, in the last couple of years and I didn't have a title and, and I suppose actually I kind of felt in a similar situation than what those other teachers would have felt. Yeah. So I said if I'd had that ex a, a bit more wisdom, a bit more knowledge and a bit more experience, yeah, I would have tried to do things very differently, I think. Yeah. So for reading yep. today, um, I've taken up the, the task today. Um, I should give a language warning before this reading. There's a um, bit of language in the title of this book that I'm going to say over and over again. Um, and that's funny, actually. So I, I, I'm interested in the concept of leadership generally. Um, what I'm interested in about it is that I think too often we construct it as a um, like a an aggressive sort of thing. It's something that needs to be done to people. And I hate that construction of it. And what fascinates me is how disproven that idea is. So I think in education, we like to think that we live in a special bubble and that although things might happen in you know the management world, we have a different way of doing things. But it's surprising how nicely things overlap and that good uh, management models in the corporate sector 
what, what are seen as well researched, well understood management models in the corporate sector are actually good in education yep. because corporate management theory at least has moved to a far more compassionate way of thinking about the yep. world. Um, so, so that's why I'm interested in it. Um, so this book is by uh, Robert Sutton. He's an um, academic from one of the big unis in the US, I can't remember which one, but he's from a business school. Um, and the title of his book is The No Asshole Rule. Um, and <laughs> he actually spends a bit of time talking about why he chose the term. And, and he chose the term basically because he doesn't think there's a better word than yeah. assholes. Um, it's the idea that too many workplaces are ruined by one asshole. Um, he starts the story, he starts the book with a story about being uh, needing to recruit someone for their team and purposely not choosing somebody who was a high performer, seen as a high performer in academia because he was an asshole. And we've got a nice place to work and the last thing we need is an asshole coming in and ruining it. So it sort of sent him down this path of exploring the idea about assholes in the workplace <laughs> yep. um, and, and how they ruin the workplace. Um, so the subtitle of the book is Building a Civilised Workplace and Surviving One That Isn't. And this just rang really true for me. Um, I think, and, and so his fundamental premise is that there's people who are permitted to be assholes in the workplace because they're otherwise high performing. Because in a sales environment, let's say they make a lot of sales, so they're an asshole. They they hurt everyone else. They hurt everyone they deal with. But because they make the sales, they're permitted to continue that behaviour, um, and. So, you know, that's the easiest place to see that kind of thing. But I think we see it in education yes. too. I think we see it, um, you know, sometimes you've got that staff member you work with who, oh, this this is another one of my bugbears. We, we use the term passionate too often as though it's always a good yep. thing. Sometimes passion is a bad thing. Sometimes I don't want to work with somebody who's passionate about their work. I want to work with someone who's competent, well-qualified and, and does what's expected of them and behaves in a professional yep. manner. I don't always need passionate people around no. me because sometimes passionate people are assholes. Yes, yep. Because um, they've got their particular, so, uh, you know, they've got their, their thing that they're focused on and they might not see anyone else's way of doing things. It's like, right, this has to happen because I'm passionate about this and I need to see this particular focus in the classroom and, you know, or in, in the school and I'm not having any other way. Yeah. Um, yeah. The biggest thing that I liked in the book, because he talks a lot about what do you do about an asshole and how do you yep. get rid of them is basically it, because um, th there are what he terms certified assholes certified who assholes. <laughs> aren't, aren't for fixing. They're the only thing to do with them is to get rid of yep. them. Um, and I said that, that sales analogy earlier, there's actually like good data around this. If you get rid of your asshole, okay, so their sales disappear from your balance yep. sheet. But everyone else who now is in a more civilised, more humanised workplace yep. is able to work at a higher level. So you don't get another star pop up. What you get is everybody else lifting yes. to actually cater for that yep. level. So you don't actually lose out as an organisation. Right. And he even cites one HR manager who they like they they did the maths behind their asshole. They said, this person's churning through their assistant every six months and we have to re-recruit. We're having, you know, having to pay out staff yep. for harassment claims. And and they worked out that this person was costing them $200,000 wow. a year. that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so 
I know this is a funny way yeah. of coming at this topic. I just love that but, book and the title. And also that, you know, that, yes, that asshole. Like, but it, it totally describes the person that, you know, it, it does describe really clearly <laughs> yeah, and really easily. Um, and, yeah, we're having a bit of a giggle about it, but we can totally see that person that has been an asshole in, you know. And so it's funny that, yes, yeah, it's funny watching you said talk about, like, asshole every, you know, like you're chopping in every view, but also even the certified asshole I found funny. But it is interesting, and generally I think in education too is um, those assholes, because I can say it, don't leave. You know, they generally stay, like generally a lot of people stay put in education, like not there's not a lot of movement particularly later. So that also makes it really difficult um, as well because that person stays so then everybody else is leaving, like you said. Yeah. The um, the, the reason I brought this into the discussion was because um, he talks a lot about, you know, having a civilised workplace, a place that's nice to be. We spend a lot of time at our work. You want it to be a nice place yes. to be. So what I wish I knew going into being a, a yep. leader for the first time was to not be an yep. asshole. Um, I don't think I necessarily was, but everybody is sometimes yeah. is, is the point he also makes in the book. And I was sometimes because I thought that's what being a leader yes. was and I don't any yes. longer. I, I think I think that's got no place in being a leader personally. No, I, um, and I totally agree with you too. I think me coming back to, yeah, even my experience there, the four of us particularly, we were assholes. Like we weren't nice, we weren't respectful. We just thought it was like, you know, what what we said had to kind of go, you know. Yeah. One of the big tells of an asshole in, in uh, the book is how they treat those in a position of less yep. power. That's, that's almost so. so if you go to a restaurant with one, how they treat the waiters is a big tell of whether they're a certified asshole yep. or not. Yep. I'd agree with that. And I mean, even uh, from, yes, in my more recent teaching where I wasn't a leader, watching those people now trying to cling on to leadership or trying to be a leader, I watched then them being, I suppose, assholes to everybody else. And so it's it was quite funny then seeing it from a different perspective. And that probably was me how many years, you know, a years ago. And then going back into that because I'd been on maternity leave and I was in a part-time role that I didn't have that leadership. Then suddenly turning it around um, and seeing other people do it, it, w- it was totally happening. So, yeah, I'd hate to think that what I had done in my, specific, my few years as being a leader, you know, what asshole I actually had been. Yeah, it was it was a little bit frightening reading yeah. just kind of reflecting on some yeah. practices. It is a bit well. scary, isn't it? So, Kate, as we look outside the oh, window here in Melbourne today as we record, it's a it's quite a cloudy day, foggy would be yep. the term I'd use. And I mentioned that because we're about to introduce our guest who's joining us today from his uh, school in the Gold yep. Coast. And don't you think it would be a bit of an arsehole move if he were to talk about the weather there? <laughs> anyway, Ash, how are you, how are you going? Oh, I'm not sure after that introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, hey, uh, I won't I won't try and talk about the blue skies out the window or the currently balmy 21 degrees it is here. 21! <laughs> Just another day in paradise, as they say. Uh, I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having Actually, me. Actually, you want to... <laughs> no worries. By way of introduction, did you want to tell us a little bit about where you, where you work and, and the role you have... In, in your current school? Sure. Uh, I'm the currently the head of uh, maths at Somerset uh, College here on the Gold Coast. 
and um, I've been here for a couple of years, but previously I've um, uh, similar to you, Kate, I, my first foray into leadership was as a, as a sort of a year-level coordinator and, and as a subject coordinator. And I think, you know, that those sorts of experiences are quite good because you're in charge of a relatively small number of staff and normally small teams are, you know, are not as intimidating as, 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 as sort of large ones or sort of whole school and things like that. Um, but I've, I've also worked in um, some sort of mini, middle management roles um, heading up you know, well-being in the middle years and, and, and as well as some operational stuff like timetabling and things like that. Um, but, um, yeah, certainly, you know, identifying with some of the things that uh, that you are talking about today, particularly that notion of being intimidated by, uh, you know, more experienced uh, members of your team that you might be uh, leading. Yes. Is there anything you can identify that you did badly, uh, you know, in your first run through at the at an educational leadership role? Oh, look, probably in – if I think back to my experience when I first um, uh, started timetabling, when I was when I was leading up uh, to being in charge of sort of the, the timetables, I remember heading towards the end of the year and um, I was sort of keen to, you know, do the right thing and impress everyone as you are when you're, you know, early on in your career. Um, and I remember – you know, at the end of the year, you've got all these sort of programs that are running, alternative timetables, and you have wellbeing programs. There's a lot of staff out doing professional development, um, and exams are off and on. So there's a lot of changes to sort of your regular school structure, and you know that all sort of came through me. So um, I remember at the time just getting a number of responses, or uh, sorry, a number of uh, concerns and things, you know, being being brought up via email or people knocking on the door and saying, Ash, you know, can you, can you tell me what room I'm in? And, you know, in the midst of all these emails and things, I'm also trying to plan for next year. I, I, I raise that because I think my fatal mistake was uh, almost reacting and being reactive. And what I mean by that is I, I would respond to an email and I thought I was doing the right thing immediately. So people send an email, I think, oh, I've got, to, I've, got to write, I've got to write back, I've got to solve this problem right now. So I'd be frantically trying to answer them straight away. But little did I know um, that, you know, you know, although I thought that the faster I would respond, the more I could get back to doing my work, in fact, the opposite was yeah. true. Yeah. So I was just felt like I was creating um, or putting out spot fires continuously. And, and I didn't realise sort of how much time I actually had. Um, and I think that's a fatal mistake of, of new leaders that they don't realise they do have more time than they actually realise. And they, and they don't pause and often reflect. And in, it's amazing, you know, in those moments that we do pause, how many issues are resolved by themselves anyway. And you find out that mm. people that have sent you an email about something have actually worked it out. So you don't need to act on it. Um, but that eagerness you have, you know, early on in your leadership career can be a, a bit of a trap to fall into. Yeah. I feel like in that you're also arguing for putting time aside. Is that what you were saying there too? So it's not just, um, you know, being strategic about your reactions, but it's also about, um, you know, not constantly being at everyone else's timeline or back and call, but making sure there's time to absolutely. Focus on. So, so now if I'm if I'm if I've got tasks, I'll manage my day by actually 
you know, using Outlook Calendar or something like that and actually scheduling times for me to work on particular activities and that keeps me on task but it also allows me to, you know, make sure my email is turned off at that time and I'm actually focused on the one particular task. So, um, you know, for instance, today I don't have my email running because this is this is what I'm doing now. I don't want to be responding to anything else. So, uh, uh, you know, just um, I think that's a good point. You're yeah, setting time aside and, and um, you know, giving yourself permission to, to be able to focus on what, what you need to do rather than being at the beck and call, as you say, of uh, other people's timelines. How about that for you, Kate? Did you, have you found, firstly, is that something you've, you've prioritised or have you... What type? So I'm going to say... There you go. Sorry. I'm going to say um, that I reckon I'm probably still guilty mm. of that. I still feel a strong obligation to reply to an email really yep. quickly. And I still think that, um, you know, being a good leader is somebody who responds fairly rapidly. But I, I see your point there, Ash. I see, you know, you, that can easily rob you of any time to think strategically or to, to, to really get anything done. And, you know, we we live in that that society now where where things are changing and it's almost that um, I wonder in the future whether or not our the way we communicate will change and whether or not that 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 the email will shift to sort of that notion of instant messaging and you know that that we always yes. say that mm. our students you know they, they don't know how to write emails they don't respond properly but I wonder if we're in the wrong in that in that regard and that we're the ones that need to change to to more of a bit of a, an instant messaging type communication in that um, you know we can we can sort of answer things promptly but perhaps not with the uh, requiring sort of the formalities of the email whether that's acceptable practice you know I don't think we're there yet but um, it's something that I'm certainly thinking about yeah I know a lot of workplaces have moved towards a sort of um, group communication tool um, I think slack's become big um, yammer those sort of uh, group messaging rather than emails um, are seen in some organisations and some schools to be a better way to, to keep in touch with each other. I think as a leader too, you also um, become more attuned to what's important. So, uh, you know, um, you know, I can recall when, when I was studying at university, uh, doing my uh, master's degree, that we did like an in-basket activity where you were given this pile of um, emails and papers and letters and you had to decide what order you were going to, because there was no way you could answer them all or respond to them all in a time that you were given, but you had to make a choice. What's the most important? So I think you need to be attuned to that as well. So if there are priorities, absolutely. You know, there are some things that you, you can't just say, well, I'll do that later. You do need to do certain things now. But that comes, I think, with the experience. How did you get uh, on that, Kate? Because, yeah, I, I reckon, I've got to say, I don't think I'm still good at that. What about you, especially when you're a new leader? Were you struggling with that idea about prioritising? Yeah, I think it is, um, yeah, trying to prioritise and, and especially because, I mean, there is a fairly big admin role in, you know, uh, letting people know what's happening, um, you know, trying to help your staff. And so there's there's a lot of things that you do need to do. So, yeah, trying to find that balance. And, and look, even now, you know, 
with um, my day-to-day work here at the TLN, like I still sometimes struggle to figure out what is the best thing that I should be working on. And, you know, we ended up, um, I know Max, um, you and I are quite similar in that we like to reply back to people quite quickly, you know, even if at night time and on a weekend because we feel that's the kind of the right thing to do. And, and I do like it because then I don't have to come into 60 emails, say, on Monday morning. Um, but then should I be prioritising my work in a different way? I think I should be. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, to really trying to – and look, um, I know there's um, a colleague here that he definitely blocks out his time of what he's working on it, you know, generally on what moments. And, and I did start doing that actually with some of the work that I was doing to make sure that I actually committed um, my mind and all my focus to a particular task over a few-hour block rather than, I said, still trying to go, oh, cool, an email's just come in, I'll quickly reply to them and get back what I'm doing, but actually to, to block everything out. So, Ash, if, if I think it sounds like Kate and I both concede that yep. we're not yep. good at this, <laughs> you've raised it as a good idea. So, if, if you're to say you're going to prioritise what it is you respond to and, and how you devote the time that you've got, um, what do you use as a framework for you know setting those priorities? How do you know you're choosing the right things as your priority? Well, you can normally, um, you know, uh, you know, you normally use common sense if I could just you know, put it that way, to begin with, you know, there are some tasks that, that you know, if, if it involves uh, student well-being or staff welfare or, um, you know, uh, a legitimate concern from the public or from a parent or something like that that requires immediate action, um, normally you can get a sense of that from, from, from the communication. Mm-hmm. But if it's about, uh, you know, something that, that, that can be resolved or talked about at another time, then um, I have like a, uh, a sort of a to-do uh, folder in my Outlook and I just park it and I'll just sort of park it there for, you know, I, I know I'm not going to get to it today, but uh, I know that I, I will need to respond to it. So that way what I'm looking at, what I'm staring at is just not a whole bunch of emails. In one, I'm just staring at the most important things, the, the things that I do need to respond to um, today and the, and, and, and the other ones aren't on the screen. So that's, that's my, you know, little way of, uh, I guess, filtering, filtering that. I do like that. I like that way of, you know, of that to-do list, you know, like of those emails sitting there because even just looking at what emails have come through and they said what is a priority for right now, what can I leave or what is a bit of an admin type role, actually having that to-do thing so I don't have to filter then and there about what I should be doing. But right when I get an hour later in the day, hopefully, um, I can go through all of those emails that are hopefully going to be quite quick and easy to get through at the same time. To-do lists can be good, um, but I mean, I've got a colleague whose to-do list, um, last time I saw it, comprised of three pages of really tightly written notes. And I think probably the, the most important thing is a, of a to-do list to me is the knowledge of when to give up. So it's, okay, that's been there for six months and I still haven't yep. done it. Clearly, I don't think it's important enough yep. to do and it's just going to get off. I am... Um... I do I'm I'm a daily like a daily to-do list now you know um, yeah so I don't know yeah said so with, with our colleague with the the one that can continues on the pages and I still think sitting on the the, the desk and yeah I said I almost have to do it on a daily basis now just so I can move my brain of right this is what I can achieve today but tomorrow this is what I can achieve instead but yeah I cop it for my to-do lists but it's you know but it, for me it helps me 
um, yeah, focusing on exactly. And so as you've gone probably from, you know, the idea of being a new leader to having had some roles for a significant amount of time now, and you've talked about some mistakes you made earlier um, and, and the way you currently prioritise your time. What do you, what's your aim to try and achieve next? What do you think? You know, what, what, what are you looking to for the future? Well, uh, look, I think for for as far as being a new leader, you know, I've always believed that, you know, leadership at every stage of your career is a continual evolution, you know, transforming um, your yourself and the way you lead will enable you to, um, you know, take on greater responsibilities going forward. And that's what I've always sought to do. So in a sense, you know, if, you, if, the, if you're continually developing as a leader, you are in a sense... Um, experiencing that that sense of new leadership, uh, um, so I, so I don't subscribe to the fact of that I'm, I've I've reached I've ever reached that final destination, and that I'm I'm now um, ready to to you know um, I, I I've mastered it all. I don't think I'll ever I'll ever sort of get that. Um, yeah, as far as my own sort of personal goals, I've I've sort of made a commitment to to focus on on curriculum leadership for the for the time being, for the immediate future. That's that's um, but I see you know an enormous amount of uh, development that that um, I need to do as a, as a leader. You know, continuously. I don't think we'll ever stop um, learning or evolving uh, evolving as a leader. Um, particularly where we are in Queensland at the moment, we're about to uh, introduce a new, uh, well, arguably the um, most significant curriculum change uh, in the senior in the senior years for for some decades. So so that's that's going to sort of occupy me for a few years uh, in the immediate future. But but you know um, after that you know uh, I haven't really thought beyond at this stage what um, what the next leadership role would be. And beyond a role though, when you're thinking about your own skills as a leader, uh, where, where do you Want to sort of what yeah. skills is it that you're hoping to develop? So what we're what we're um, actually currently doing at school is we're actually engaged in uh, looking at the the work of Jim Knight and uh, coaching and instructional coaching, and so I've been um, looking at um, how and so are the other heads of department how we can have a, a greater impact in the classroom. So we've been looking at coaching and coaching ourselves and coaching each other and observing each other's classes you know, video and, and, and observations and, and through coaching and having a coach and how that can lead to um, us, you know, uh, having a greater impact on our students uh, in, 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 in the classroom environment. That's something that um, is, a, is, a, is an immediate focus um, for me at the moment. But I think, you know, there are, there are a range of skills. And I always, I used to think that, um, uh, you know, being sensitive to the needs of others wasn't a, a huge um uh, skill of mine, uh, something that I hope I've worked on the last few years, you know, just being rather than the, being the one that does all the talking to stop and actually listen to your team and say, well, what is it that concerns this person? What is it that concerns that person? That, that's something that I've, I've sort of worked on. You know, there's the organisational aspects. You can always, I think, be more organised um, uh, in terms of strategic thinking and strategic visions, finding the time to do that. Yes, a lot of uh, leadership um, is management and there is a difference and um, with the management side of it there's that operational aspect of um, the, admi the administration that comes with that and that can that can just consume you completely but as a leader you know where am I actually allowing my si myself time to to uh, think strategically about um, you know the new curriculum that's coming in for instance in, 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 in here. 
uh, I think that um, you know that that's something that that I'm looking to develop at the moment. I don't feel that I give myself enough time in that area. Yeah, time's a big one, isn't it? I think we I have we done a podcast yet, Kate, where somehow we don't turn to a discussion about time and how we actually. I don't think so. I think time in education is always going to be a problem. There's never enough time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it, but it, that's the but one. At the same, the same time, I I think that, you know, getting back to my point earlier, we have more time than what we think we do, and I think in mm. leadership that can mm. be a. Uh, a bit of a false sense of um, you, you, you have this perception that there is no time, but when you do um, sit down and look at your day, look at how you, you know, how many emails you get, how you respond to them, when you respond to them, setting up your shit, you can, I think, discover that there is sort of more time than than what you think. So I don't. Um, so on the one hand, yes, I agree that that's 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 an issue for for all of us. But on the other hand, too, I think there's a real power. And just pausing and just pausing and saying, well, mm. what's important right here? And looking at, you know, bringing it back to what do you value? What, what am I doing for the students? And, and actually getting rid of the clutter. We've, uh, here at the tail end this year, um, our executive officers been off doing some study and it's given me a formal leadership role uh, in the time when he's been away, um, the, the like of which I haven't had for quite some time. And my observation on it this year has been more about time than anything else. Um, not just the time that you have yourself and to do that kind of planning you're talking about, Ash, but in one sense, I feel as though time is the only, um, <laughs> this is almost philosophical, time's the only thing you have to give to others as well. Um, so people really value the time that you can give them, um, and to, to to give it is is is, a, is quite a giving act when you're in a formal leadership role, I think. Um, and so I've had to really be careful not to um, try and squirrel away too much time to do my own tasks, which also need to be done, but also to be generous to attempt to be generous with my own time that I give to others. I would agree. Um, you know, there's there's an enormous value in, 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 I guess, making the time to to have just conversations. I mean, yeah, I could um, have a, a, a lot of stuff that I need to do and a lot of pressing, pressing matters in the back of my mind, but I know that the time that I invest in, in just even a casual conversation, catching up with someone, you know, it's 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 a way to build trust within your team, and that and that, um, you know, you can't you can't put a value on that because that that will come back to to benefit you and benefit the team in in the, in the long run. Um, it's an investment. I see it as an investment um, from the point mm. of view of what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I fall into the trap in the past of just attending to what I need to do because you are so busy. Yeah. But I've discovered, yeah, uh, recent, you know, more recently that, that, yeah, investing that time with others, maybe it means you've got to stay back a bit longer to finish what you need to do. Um, but ultimately, you know, improves relationships and the quality of the relationships builds trust within the workplace. Uh, that's invaluable. 
Well, we might uh, head back around to what our big question was, um, which is what do you wish you'd known before you took on your first leadership role? So, Kate, you've told us about, you know, how, how yeah. your very first leadership role went awry yeah. um, and you've had a lot of other experiences since yes. then. What do you wish you'd known before you took that on, if you could go back with today's Kate? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I like just quickly what you mentioned before about the time, giving time to others. I probably didn't give to- as much time as I would have liked to other people to check in, support them, see how I could have listened and how I could have helped them. Maybe on there was a particular day they actually just needed to vent about something. I don't know if I did that um, so well. Um, and I look at the time even, Max, you give me, you've given me this year to, you know, to help me with my work. And I know there's time that you've given up to, it's, it's you've had to give up for your work. Um, but it's been in, invaluable for me to, to, to learn things, but also to, yeah. So I said, I wish I'd give people time. Um, but also just that priority. Like prioritise um, what's actually needed. I really like that because I felt, I think, in those couple of years, like I was juggling, you know, a thousand things all at once. You know, my principal needed me, the AP needed me, my kids needed me, uh, the teachers needed me, and, and I felt like I was just managing and doing everything okay rather than something well. And I mean, even there was moments I felt like I let my kids and my teaching down, which is the sole reason I was there for, um, but because I was trying to manage everything else. So I think I just, if I'd given priority right, if I could have this done today and this done today, that would make things better. And, and not jumping straight to people's emails when I'm sure at some point, yeah, that would figure itself out with a simple chat at some point later. Cool. Thanks, Kate. Um, for me, and my answer to uh, what I wish I'd known, I, I wish I'd known that it was okay to still be me. Um, yes. The idea, I, and I, I watch other people do this. I watch people take on a leadership role and then act out being yep. a leader. They sort of feel as though they've got to play a role and they can no longer be their authentic yes. self. Um, and that's part of why I brought up that um, No Asshole <laughs> book um, because I, that to me felt like the biggest reinforcement I'd seen that continuing to be humane and compassionate and a leader is actually being a better leader. Yeah, I like that, Max. I think it's right, like trying to just be yourself and, and be in that role and, and yeah, and not just pretend to be someone. Yeah, that, yeah, you don't have to pretend to be somebody if you are a leader. Yeah, I, I like that too. I mean, that's that's a great, uh, that's a great comment, I think. Um, for me, you know, uh, I, I think it's about, uh, I wish I'd known that it was okay to question and that, I guess, comes back to, you know, being yourself. Um, you know, I think about um, that, that that psychological experiment where they had, uh, I don't know when it was or who conducted it, but um, uh, it was conducted on some monkeys that were uh, in a cage and they had some fruits that they hung from the top of the cage and they electrified it and, um, you know, the monkeys would go up and grab the fruit and they'd get electric shock. And pretty soon there were four monkeys in the cage and they never went and got that fruit because they knew it was, it was electric. And then yep. um, they, they brought those fruits in even when they weren't electric and they wouldn't touch them. Um, and then after time what they did, they took one of the monkeys out and they put a new one in there and, of course, the new monkey would go straight to the fruit and then uh, all the other monkeys would go, no, 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 don't touch it. And they'd, they'd, they'd say, you know, get away from it. And after time, that monkey wouldn't even go near the fruit as well, even though he'd never been had an electric shock or never experienced that. Um, 
So I, I use that analogy because, um, you know, I wish I, I knew it was okay to ask more questions. I think that, you know, yeah. as a leader, you've got a question, 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 especially coming into new to an organisation. You know, you're seeing things uh, with fresh eyes or if you're coming into a new position, you start to see things from a different perspective and through a different lens. So rather than just... Um, you know, I think as, a, as an early leader, I, I just went with the flow and just, oh, well, that's the way it's done. I never questioned anything. Um, no. Whereas, you know, uh, there's this huge benefits in questioning and, you know, why do we do this? Why do we actually do this? Because maybe no one's ever asked that before. You could be the yep. first one that's asked that. So um, that's something that I, um, I'd wish yeah. I knew. That's a really valid point, Ash, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, thanks, Ash, so much for being with us today. And um, thanks, Max, even though he um, can't finish off the thing at the moment. But um, yeah, um, that was really good. We really appreciate it. The Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria, Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation. Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in their professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network, aeon.net.au.